Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Well, it happened on one of the coldest weeks possible. A group of men got together and held the world's longest hockey game. Now, not only did they break a record, they also were raising funds for cancer. To date, we're joined by one of the participants in that game, Andrew Cannon. He's going to share with us why he participated and tell us a little bit more about the world's longest hockey game today on Connections. The world's longest hockey game came to a close on Monday morning after 252 consecutive hours on the ice. Now, 40 people took turns playing hockey on an outdoor rink 24 hours a day beginning February 4th. This was all in the name of cancer research. We're joined today by Andrew Buchanan. He is a fire paramedic in that area. Now, for someone like yourself, why is it so important to get involved in a game like this? So there's actually um, 16 presumptive cancers that firefighters are just expected to get nowadays, which is really sad, but it's just what we're exposed to, right? So that's why uh, I dedicated uh, my involvement this year. And um, like I said, I lost a really good friend uh, two years ago to pancreatic cancer that he was deemed uh, from firefighting. So uh, dedicated the event to him and to everybody, uh, you know, across the world who's, who's a first responder and uh, fighting cancer. And then as well as I also, uh, I work as a paramedic. So, you know, I see the, see the struggles that my patients uh, struggle with cancer and uh, especially pediatric cancer. And it just breaks my heart to see uh, somebody so young as a child to be going through you know, a battle like cancer. So to play in this hockey game was nothing compared to what they do. Now, as you mentioned, this was your first time participating in this event. What went through your head when you first put on those skates and decided to participate? Yeah, so, you know, it's been such an interesting year, right? And I mean, we weren't sure that this uh, game was even going to be approved until the final puck drop. So uh, with COVID and everything going on in the world, we weren't sure if uh, Alberta Health Services was going to approve the game. So, um, you know, before, well before we even put our skates on, uh, the players had to, so we had to do a COVID swab on January 28th and all test negative. And then we had to go back to our home and um, isolate for five days, you know, away from friends and family. And then we had to show up to the, where the arena is on February 2nd. And uh, so we all lived in trailers. So everyone had to have their own trailer. That was one of the rules. So um, we all lived in our own trailers and then we all had to isolate for the next three days. So test negative three more times with uh, COVID swabs. And then finally, once everybody was negative for those three days, uh, we got the green light and the game started. So um, this year, there's you know there's actually 30 out of 40 new players. So it was the biggest turnover ever, and that was due to some players uh, just not being able to commit the amount of time just due to the quarantine and everything. And then some of the guys that you know started the history of this game, you know, are into their late 50s and early 60s now, and their their bodies just can't take uh, what this game does to them anymore. So. Um, there's a lot of us not really sure what to expect. And, you know, we had an amazing, uh, you know, inspirational speech by Dr. Sake, you know, before uh, first puck drop. And uh, everybody started out flying and skating pretty much as fast as you could. But then uh, we had some friendly reminders that we still had 11 days to go. So you got to pace yourself. And what a time for the polar vortex to show up. It was cold for a long time, wasn't it? Oh, yes, it was cold. So that was the other biggest, that was, I would say, one of our biggest challenges in the whole event. So, you know, before the game started, we heard, you know, there was this polar vortex rolling in and, um, you know, what's that weather going to look like? Are we going to be able to sustain play? You know, can we do this without, you know, risking our, you know, risking our lives as well? So 
Um, what was pretty unique and pretty Canadian is that at one point we were the coldest place on earth. And what's you know, a group of 40 Canadians doing rope playing hockey, trying to raise money for cancer research, right? So we had all sorts of weather warnings, um, you know, if you guys go outside, you know, for greater than five to 10 minutes at a time, you're at risk for severe frostbite. And, you know, some of us were out there, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day in that weather. So uh, it was something like I've never seen before. Uh, pucks were literally shattering. I don't know if you got to see any of the pictures. Sticks were shattering. People's equipment was just malfunctioning. And, you know, the glue that holds stuff together would just let go and pieces of equipment were falling down. Uh, players' eyelids were literally frozen open. Guys couldn't blink. It was uh, it was unbelievable. And the coldest temperature we saw the one night was uh, minus 54 degrees Celsius. And to add on top of that, we had 40-kilometer winds blowing at us. So uh, it was uh, quite the experience. And then, you know, we'd freeze on the ice. But since it was so cold, our propane couldn't heat up at, or couldn't keep up in our campers. So we'd go back to ice-cold campers and kind of try to get any kind of sleep you could. But, you're, you know, you're due back in the ice in a couple hours. So... There was a uh, minimal sleep, but a lot of heart by all these guys. So it was pretty amazing to see. Now you're a paramedic. What was going through your mind when you thought of these extreme temperatures? Frostbite was the number one, right? For sure. So um, some guys, you know, have some feet that look, you know, straight out of a horror movie right now. That uh, They definitely froze some toes and uh, have uh, all sorts of different colors going on on their feet right now. But uh, they always say, you know, we have some really good warning, you know, before this was that feet are the number one thing. Like, you have to take care of your feet in this event or you won't make it. The second you start getting blisters or any sort of injuries to your feet, you know, swollen feet, whatever that may be, that will take you out of the game. So, uh, But what they didn't expect was temperatures, you know, of minus 40, minus 50, right? So some guys, uh, you know, we had custom-made booties over our skates. Guys were stuffing skates full of, um, you know, like hand warmers, that sort of stuff. Anything to stay warm, uh, electric socks, you name it, guys are trying, and it just sometimes it just wasn't enough. And frostbite did creep up some guys, and there were some guys that did get really bad frostbite. And hopefully, they're uh, <laughs> seeking medical attention now because since we were in a bubble, the second you left the bubble, uh, you're no longer allowed back in the game. So some guys definitely uh, definitely push themselves uh, through some injuries for sure, and just hopefully uh, hopefully they get the uh, sensation back in their feet. But Doctor Sick always says it takes about seven to eight months post this event to uh, to get the full feeling back in your feet just because of so much skate time, right? You're in those boots, you know, some guys up to 12 to 16 hours a day, you're on skates, right? So it's by the end of it, um, guys, you know, the last day, some guys couldn't even physically get their skates on or off anymore. So guys started sleeping in their skates once you get them on for the last couple of days just because they knew the pain of taking it off again. So they would literally put their skates, skate cards on, go have a nap and wait for their next shift and, and come back. So uh, there's definitely some concern. Um, other things too, you know, as a paramedic, I was, you know, suturing guys up, you know, gluing lips back together, that sort of stuff, just to keep guys playing. And thankfully nobody developed, you know, any sort of pneumonia or anything like that, just because it was so cold. But uh, just kind of your common, uh, common hockey injuries that we had to treat on site. Cause uh, yeah, once you left the bubble, yeah, you couldn't come back in. So guys showed some warrior strength for sure. Now, obviously, a lot of people went through a ton of physical pain to do this. Why do you think so many were so willing to participate? You know what? Everyone was there for one goal, and that's to help, uh, you know, help cure cancer. So uh, this game is nothing like I've ever seen. So how often can you take pretty much 40 strangers, put them in a dressing room, and within days becoming best friends, all try to raise one, you know, trying to raise one goal? 
And I mean, you know, the competition was there. We have some very high caliber athletes here, you know, always, you know, from NHL to major junior to, to all the way down to beer leaguers and guys that have never played organized hockey. So it was really neat to see all those levels of talent come into play. And there was, you know, no attitude or anything like that of, you know, better than you. We had two really fun teams, you know, two rosters of 20 with uh, three goalies on each side. And you're not allowed any more than that. So it's not like we had, you know, a group of 40, 50, 60 guys to pick from when other guys got tired. It's uh, you have 20 guys and that's it. So if you start losing guys, and it was been, since it was a bubble year, you can bring people back in. So if injuries kept guys out, then, then your team was even more short. So, But um, what was really unique and really special uh, with this tournament, or this event, I should say, is that everybody's there for a reason. So everyone is there because they you know, have lost family, friends, and loved ones to cancer. So everybody brings their own personal story to cancer, and then we all come together and, and you know try to accomplish that goal. And this year, that was to make... $1.5 million to launch a brand new cancer drug that was discovered here in Edmonton. So uh, it was hard to say no to, and it was an absolutely incredible journey. And not only was it a, you know, a physical battle, but it was a huge emotional battle as well. You know, guys went through highs and lows, and what got people through it was, you know, the support of the other players, you know, talking with them, understanding what they're going through to keep pushing. And what really motivated us was, you know, this year, usually with this event, you know, the stands is full of hundreds of spectators and our family. But with COVID this year, obviously that wasn't allowed. So what really helped us and really pushed us through was, you know, people coming at all hours of the night to drive by, honk their horn, show support, uh, hang up pictures of loved ones all around the rink so we could see, you know, who we're battling for, you know, and who and just to, to keep pushing and, and uh, reach our goal. Now we noticed in some photos that there were pictures of some of the people that you guys were playing for up on the fence. Now that obviously helped to push you through this as well. It helped us more than you believe. And, you know, normally this event takes 800 volunteers and we were only allowed 10 main volunteers within the bubble this year. So the fact that the scheme, you know, even occurred and the fact that it was the most successful game in history was uh, just amazing from start to finish. That's got to be so amazing to participate in something like that. Uh, how much did you end up raising at the end of this? So, so far, you know, our goal was $1.5 million. Uh, at the final puck drop, we were sitting at about $1.8 million. And right now they're still calculating, you know, um, corporate donations and all the little uh, stuff like that, event uh, sponsors and stuff like that. So we anticipate maybe north of $2 million. So we're just waiting to, to see the kind of final tally and that's in the the professional's hands now that's dealing with all the funds. Now, not only have you guys managed to raise a significant amount of money for cancer research, this event has garnered worldwide attention. What's it been like to be a participant in this and just to be able to see that? I mean, I've had, you know, People Magazine calling me. I've had USA Weekly calling. I've had, uh, you know, podcasts from across the United States. Um, I was in a paper in Finland, right? It's just been unbelievable to see the support. And I think, you know, with what the world's gone through over the last year, they were looking for a really, you know, something really positive to focus on and something to kind of uh, re-energize society. And people just fell in love with the story and the cause, and just the backing was incredible. Now, obviously, there is a number of winners with this event, but who actually won the game? Uh, team Red. I'd have to look at the final score. So, our team won. Um, uh, I'd have to pull it up, but it was like. 2200 and something to you know 2200 and change it was it was wild there was uh some pretty unique uh 
lead changes throughout the event and that would motivate the guys. So, you know, team red would go up for a bit and then team white would rally and they'd come back and red would go up and white would go up and then came all the way down to the final day. But, uh, you know, in reality, there was only one goal that mattered and that was to, to cure, to help cure cancer. So. Yeah, when it comes to conversations about this game, it hasn't been about who did better than who. It's been about how well the community has done together. Now, this was your first year participating. Are you going to participate again in the future? Absolutely. So this event is every three years for the hockey game. So how, what happens is, is uh, I don't want to call them a rival group because they are friends, but there's a, uh, a team in Buffalo that does a very similar event to us where they raise money for uh, specific cancer foundations as well. So they have basically kind of a three-year window to break our record. And uh, normally Buffalo does it indoors, but this year, due to what we just went through with weather, we said, hey, if you guys are going to break our record, it better be outdoors after, you know, what we went through with the weather. So, And they agreed. They said, absolutely, we'll... Uh, will challenge it and they're going to play their first outdoor world's longest game in Buffalo. So it'll be interesting to see how they do with that because that's a whole different element. That'll definitely be a hard record to break. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andrew. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can find the podcast at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. We'll talk to you again on Connections.